I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. We continue our series as we're beginning to wrap up the series of the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, that beautiful passage of Scripture where the preacher of Hebrews takes us through various Old Testament characters, teaching us of their faith, their lives, ways that they work for God. And the goal of that scripture is not just so we learn the history of the characters, because when you turn to the next chapter, Hebrews 12, then the preacher says, now, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that's set before us. So what do we learn from these Old Testament characters, these people of faith, and how does that help us grow in our faith and in the calling God has for us? In Hebrews 11, verse 32, the preacher said, I wish I had time. If I had more time, after going through various characters, the preacher says, I would tell you about Samuel, for example. So today, we learn from Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I've told him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. 
But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. All of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. There was a wonderful couple. Their names were Elkanah and Hannah. They were a faithful people who loved God with all their heart. They worshiped God. They made their sacrifices and offerings to God. But Hannah, Hannah was so sad and distraught because Hannah was unable to have children. And she desired to have children so badly that it just consumed her. She would weep bitterly. She was just broken inside. She would pray to her God, hoping that God would answer her prayer. Well, year by year, they would go up to the temple in Shiloh, and there they would worship God, they would make their sacrifices to God. And Eli, Eli was the priest of Shiloh. One year, Hannah entered the temple, and she began to pray, desperately prayed. Listen to how Hannah experienced and came before her God in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. Oh, she prayed, God, please give me a child. And if you give me a male child, I'll set him aside as a Nazarite. Remember when we studied Samson? If you go back to number six, you'll hear about a Nazarite, one who's set aside and consecrated to service and the ministry of God. God, no razor will touch his head. I'll keep the vows. Please, God, hear my prayers. But she was weeping, she was distressed. And as she was praying, her lips were moving, but she was praying silently in her heart. And Eli the priest was noticing how she was acting. And he assumed she was drunk. 
Her mouth was moving, tears were flowing. It just seemed that something was wrong with her. And, and so he chastises her. He says to her, well, how long are you going to make a mockery of yourself? This is embarrassing. You need to stop drinking it. And, and he talks to her and finally she goes, no, 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 no. I haven't been drinking. I'm praying to God. And she tells him what her heart is yearning for. And Eli looks at her and he blesses her. And then he tells her, God has granted your prayer. And I love the way that scripture lets us know that Hannah then was no longer sad. Hannah. Hannah conceives and bears a son, and she names him Samuel. Now, remember the word L, or that phrase L, the, the syllable L at the end of a word like that, actually means God. Like Bethel means house of God, or El Shaddai means God Almighty. And so his name is Samuel, which means name of God. It's a sacred name that Hannah has given to reflect God is a part of this child's life. She had made a vow to God and she kept it. And after Samuel grew and was weaned, she then takes him to Shiloh and presents him to Eli the priest where he can then serve God and grow in knowledge with Eli being the mentor and the coach and the spiritual guide to Samuel. Well, we're told when we turn to 1 Samuel 3, the scripture that we read, the word of the Lord was rare. Visions were not widespread. Now, it's interesting the way the story is told because we're told that Eli's eyesight had grown dim, but not only that, Israel hadn't experienced a vision from God, even the relationship with God had grown dim. And so here they are in the spiritual drought and it's time to go to bed and Samuel goes to his room or rather Eli goes to his room. Samuel then is there right in the midst of the temple near the ark of God. He lies down on the floor the lamp, we're told, in the temple had not gone out. It would burn from evening till morning. So sometime through the night, God speaks to Samuel. 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 Now Samuel assumes that obviously this is Eli. They're the only two there. And we're told at this point, Samuel's growing in his faith. He, he didn't understand how God could speak to him and the word of God hadn't been revealed to him yet. So he jumps up and he runs to, to Eli and he goes, here I am, you called me. And Eli goes, I didn't call you, son. Go back to bed. It happens again. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel jumps up again, runs back to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli goes, I didn't call you, son. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. The third time it happens and God speaks to him and says, Samuel, Samuel. And once again, he jumps up and he runs to Eli and goes, here I am, you called me. And Eli then realizes what's happening. He realized God is speaking to you. So go back and lie down again. But if he calls you again, this time say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
Samuel goes back, lays down again. And this time, did you catch in the scripture, this time God comes and stands before him. Samuel now is in the presence of God. And God calls his name and he says, Speak, Lord, because your servant is listening to him and listening to you. And, and so God begins to reveal, here's what I'm going to do. You see, Eli, the priest, he had some sons that were not living at all according to the will of God. As a matter of fact, when people would come up and, and make their offerings, they would make their sacrifices, their burnt offerings, and the sons would come by with a fork and stick it in and take some of the food for themselves. They would blaspheme. They would lay with the women who were serving there in the temple. They were not following the word of God, the will of God at all. And the problem for Eli was he knew it and didn't do anything about it. So God says to Samuel, Eli's home will be punished. Eli is about to be removed from his priesthood because he's allowed all this to happen and did nothing about it. Well, the next morning... Samuel gets up, he opens the doors of the temple, gets things ready where people can come in. He is trying his best to avoid Eli. The last thing he wants to do is tell Eli what happened. Eli comes up to him and said, what did he say to you? He sees the hesitation from Samuel. And then he says to Samuel, look, don't hide anything from me because may the Lord do to you and more. If you keep anything from me, tell me, tell me what he said. Be honest with me. Tell me everything. Tell me what did God say to you? And so Samuel, Samuel told him, here's what God said. And Eli goes, it is the Lord. That's, that's truly God. And let it be done according to his will. Well, Samuel grows up to become an amazing priest. He actually becomes a priest, a prophet, and a judge. God uses Samuel in some amazing ways. As we watch him mature, we turn over, for example, to 1 Samuel chapter 7, and you see once again a battle against the Philistines. But Samuel was willing to stand before the people of Israel and go, look, if you want God to bless you, if you want God to deliver you, you need to turn from your evil ways. You need to turn from these idols and false gods that you've been following. You need to devote yourself to God and God. God alone. And if you do that, then God will be with you and deliver you. And they repent. And God then protects and spares them from the Philistines. And we're told that Samuel then judged Israel all his life. Judges. They were the people that would sit in various places where people would know, like Deborah. When we studied Deborah, people would come and bring their cases to him to hear their complaint, their disagreements. Someone who could discern from God what is right, what is true, what is real. Samuel would do that. When the Philistines tried to come up against Israel, Samuel prays to God and, and God brings about a storm that confounds and confuses the Philistines and, and God delivers them once again. But then Samuel gets a little older and Israel comes up to him one day and says, we want a king. And it broke Samuel's heart. 
You, you hear this when, when you read the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and, and he's absolutely heartbroken and goes, no, you're the people of God. You see, God wanted Israel to be a theocracy. Theo means God. A theocracy is, is a group ruled by God, a people ruled by God versus a democracy where the people are in charge. It's a theocracy. You're, you're supposed to be a people ruled by God. And, and they said, but everybody else has a king. We want a king. And, and Samuel is absolutely distraught. When you turn over in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 8, verse 7, listen to what the scripture tells us. It said, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to govern us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people and all that they say to you. Catch this. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Wow. So God says, if they want a king, give them a king, but you need to warn them. So Samuel tries to warn them. He says, look, so goes the king, so goes the nation. Do you really want to put everything in the hands of one human leader when you've got God who delivered you, protected you, continues to be there? Are you serious? And they go, we want a king. He goes, so goes the king, so goes the nation. If the king messes up, it affects everybody. We want a king. So... 1 Samuel chapter 10, he anoints Saul as the first king of Israel. But then Samuel had that difficult task as a, as a prophet, as, as one who speaks for God, because he had to confront Saul. That's not an easy thing to do, to have to go to the king and confront him. But in 1 Samuel 13, one of the things you see is that Saul takes it upon himself to offer the sacrifice to God. And, and Samuel goes to him and goes, wait a minute, who, who do you think you are, king? God anointed you king. He did not anoint you priest. And, and you're carrying out the roles of a priest. And, and God wants to speak to you through the priests and the prophets. And then you as a king, you listen to what God has said and go and rule from there. But how dare you take it upon yourself to, to be the priest of Israel? You're the king. Wow. Had to confront him. 1 Samuel 15, he confronts him again because of his disobedience. God had given instructions. Saul does what he wants to do for himself. It's so tempting. Power begins to get to us. It begins to corrupt us. We begin to think more of ourselves than we ought to think. Samuel has to explain then to Saul God has now rejected you because you have rejected God. You've taken all these things on yourself. And so God's going to anoint a new king. It's a hard thing to say to a king. God no longer wants you to be king. He, he has a new king. A man after his own heart, actually, Samuel tells him. And in 1 Samuel 16, Samuel will anoint David. We shared that story as well. David becomes the new king of Israel. Hebrews eleven thirty two says, If I had more time, I would tell you stories. I could tell you about the faith of others like Samuel. 
What do we learn from Samuel? What would the preacher want us to know? One of the things I love about Samuel is he had an intimacy with God. He was, he was faithful to God. He loved God with, with all of his heart. And Samuel, with Samuel, we learn to say the phrase, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Because sometimes God calls us and, and, and we look in all the wrong places or we ignore it. We, we, you know, I thought I heard, but anyway, oh well. To pause some time and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening and allow God to speak to us. Sometimes we go, hey, Lord, your servant is speaking. Because our prayer lives tend to be, God, listen, here's what I want, here's what I need. If you could do just this and thanks for everything, amen. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening and pause and let God speak to us. You see, Samuel had an incredible prayer life. As a matter of fact, if you look over in Psalm 99, verse 6, the psalmist says, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called on his name. They cried to the Lord and he answered them. Samuel knew how to pray. He had an intimacy with God. Speak to me, Lord. He would pray on behalf of the people of God. God, the Philistines are coming against us, coming against Israel. God, please act. It was a constant dialogue, listening to and speaking to God. Samuel can teach us so much. As a matter of fact, we learn that when, when God has, has rejected Saul, we're told in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11, that he cried out to the Lord all night. All night, Samuel cries to the Lord. And then in Jeremiah 15, 1, we're even reminded again that God tells Jeremiah, Moses and Samuel have stood before me. Remember when God stood right there before Samuel. We, there was an intimacy with Samuel and God. What do we learn? What would the preacher teach us? It's the intimacy with God. And a, and a prophet. Samuel was one who spoke on behalf of a God. The, the prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God. It's not just about telling the future, but one who listens to God and then speaks what God would have us say. His first call, for example. His first call as a prophet was to tell the priest Eli, this is what God has said about you. Sometimes it's it's hard to be a prophet speaking to the people that you love. When he had to speak to Saul, it absolutely broke his heart to have to speak the truth in love. But sometimes that's our calling is to speak the truth in love. I remember when I was in seminary, one of the things we did was we did just supervised ministries where you served in a ministry setting, you came back, you had mentors and others who would work with you. And one of the mentors that, that worked with us was a preacher or pastor by the name of Levy Rogers. And he told this story that some of you have heard me share before, where there were these two neighbors that would often meet in their backyards and have a conversation about the pastor. You know, people do that. We know you do that. The neighbors met in the backyard and they were having a conversation about the preacher. And one neighbor would always go, man, 
Our preacher, he just about drives us nuts. We have got to get a new preacher. And day after day, it was like, oh, man, we have got to do something in our church. We need a new preacher. And, and so the other neighbor said, well, what is it? And he goes, well, every Sunday he stands up in front of us and tells us that we're all going to hell. Over and over heard the story. But then one day the two neighbors meet in the backyard and said, you won't believe this. We've got a new preacher and we love the new preacher more than anything. This new preacher is absolutely incredible. And so the other neighbor said, wow, so what does this preacher preach? And the neighbor said, well, every Sunday he gets up and he tells us we're all going to hell. And the neighbor scratched his head a little bit and said, well, wait a minute. I thought that's what the other preacher that you didn't like said. I don't understand. And the neighbor said, well, when this one tells us, it breaks his heart. Sometimes speaking the truth in love, but it's got to be in love to where it breaks the heart. What do we learn from Samuel? He was a prophet who spoke the truth in love. He was a deliverer and a judge who tried to do what was right. But he was a priest. Worship was so important to Samuel. Being in the house of God, being in the presence of God, offering worship to God, offering sacrifice to God, for the forgiveness of the people, it was such a, a vital part. And one of the things we learn from Samuel is to love God with all of our hearts and desire to worship. To join together as the people of God. To worship God. And come to the table. But rather than offering a sacrifice to God, we celebrate that our God and the rest of the story through Jesus the Christ made the one full and sufficient sacrifice for all of our forgiveness, offering us grace. What do we learn from Samuel? To join together for worship and to give thanks to God for the sacrifice that he has made.